Hello, kitties. Uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Crypt Speakers. Uh, this is Sessie Korea, and with me is Jay Tyler. Hello, Sessie. How are you doing? I'm good. And yet another episode where I can't decide how I want to pronounce my own damn name. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> uh that's what that that's the burden you bear for having an interesting name as a as a j j tyler uh mm-hmm. there's only so many spends you can put on that there's not much english you can put on the uh that so maybe maybe i'll try to figure out another way that i can say my name and then you won't feel so alone maybe um, maybe and that and we were uh talking just before today we both got vaccinated yay yay so so, so great there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, and I'm hoping everyone out there, all seven of you out there listening, uh, are also feeling um, the mighty vaccine coursing through your veins well, sooner rather than soon. later. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So, good good news all good. around. Yes. Good day. Um, <laughs> bad news is, today we're talking about the episode Cutting Cards from Tales from the Crypt. Yes, and I mentioned it to you a little bit when we were uh, planning to record, and I was just like, woof. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, was I, a doozy. It is a doozy. It's, it's, it's a rough one. Um, so uh, why don't you, you, you have a little preamble that you want to get to, or you want to just get into it? Uh, yeah, I definitely have a bit of a preamble, just... Um, to try to set up the episode, uh, we say hello once again to one uh, Walter Hill, whom mm-hmm. uh, you may remember from the man who was Meh, uh, which is what I'm calling that episode, <laughs> uh, episode one of season one, The Man Who Is Death. Um, and so, yeah, he makes an appearance again here uh, directing this episode. And I am starting to see kind of a a common thread here that I am just going to predict that I'm not going to like any other episode (laughs) that is Walter Hill. um, Because I'm just not feeling it. What he's putting out there, I'm just not feeling it. Sure. I I think, because we had kind of talked last time, so the last time we had a Walter Hill episode, it was also the first episode. So we were kind of awash and like, what is this weird show? Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, and we were kind of still willing to kind of work with it. Right. And I think that um, it's worth noting, you know, kind of like digging into Walter Hill's um, filmography. Because like, I think last time I said, you know, my main like point for him was this is he's been a producer of the Aliens films since mm-hmm, uh, yeah. the first one. He's been he's been a, a frontline producer of all the Alien movies. Um, so that's that's neat. Um he also directed The Warriors, which is a great, like, 70s exploitation film. And, like, you can definitely see, like, the DNA from that movie to this movie. Like, the, like, the style composition that he has yeah. in that movie, um, which is very cool for 1979, is maybe a little less cool for 1990. Is he still around? Because I feel like if he is, his aesthetic would be, like, super in right now. He So he is still making... He's still... Uh, directing uh, movies. His last movie was 2016, so it's been a second. Um, he's been mainly doing like sort of really lower tier action programmers. Mm. Like he did the Stallone picture Bullet to the Head. Oh. I don't know if you remember that one for um, no. 2012. He made he made a really weird movie, um, Last Man Standing, which is a Bruce Willis like bootlegger movie. Yeah, like he's 
you know, he's yeah, been around. Yeah, he's definitely still around, and he's still producing Alien, which is wow. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, who knows what that'll mean now that uh, that's under yeah, that's the true. umbrella of Disney, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, like, no, all the way up through um, Covenant, he was, uh, he was, yeah, his, his hands in that. And pie, a lot of the times you know. the producing credit is kind of a thank you anyway, so who yep, knows yep. I mean, what that it, means. It pays the checks, so I'm sure <laughs> yeah, that's no. at the end of the day. Get it. Yep. Um, he also made 48 Hours, which I'm just going to slide in here and say that movie's great. Um, so, uh, for yeah. whatever we're about to say about this episode and what we said about <laughs> the last time he directed, Walter Hill has made some things I have enjoyed. I can't speak for yeah. Cecil, but but I, I, mean, I have enjoyed other obviously, works that he's made. Obviously, I do enjoy Alien and Aliens, and that's about right. it when sure. it comes to that franchise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then um, he also wrote this, uh, co-wrote this with um, a writer named Mae Woods. And this is actually her only writing credit, if I remember correctly from uh, what I was looking up uh, for this episode. So I just thought that was really, really interesting. Like somebody sort of she getting involved a... with the show and then like mm-hmm. not really, I guess, I don't know, maybe not really feeling it and just like switching gears entirely. Right. So so looking over her her filmography now, she she is an assistant to Walter Hill, so she's somebody who had been like oh I see with with working with him since seventy one. So they've oh, just been that's nice. So he just partners. was like, hey, do you want to do this? Right, and she writes. So um, bad news, Ceci. Walter Hill does have one more episode. Yeah, she writes that one with him, and then it looks like she writes one more episode. So like she's just just his buddy. Yeah, and they're kind of decided to like throw throw together the script based on an old EC comic, um, and uh, yeah. Like, uh, and this also has another tie to aliens, uh, with uh, Lance Herrickson. He Henriksen. plays, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, he plays Bishop in Aliens. Yes. So I'm uh, assuming it, that's kind of where that comes from. Sure, I'm sure that that's like. I mean, it, he's the perfect level of actor to be in something like this. I mean, yeah, I, very intense. Mm-hmm, I love Lance Henriksen. Like, I think he is. So cool, um, and just about everything that he does, uh, may- maybe this excluded, but he is just one of the coolest, like, sort of character actors in most things that he shows up in. So, a lot of character actors in Tales from the Crypt, yeah, for but sure, but it he, totally makes sense. But ser- yeah, just gotta- seriously, if you want a show with a lot of character actors, this is your show, right. This and like yeah. psych, yes. <laughs> you're gonna get all of them. Yeah, like um, yeah, the, it's definitely a cavalcade of oh that guy. Yes, <laughs> tells from the crypt colon that guy. Yeah, and uh, we also have uh, Kevin. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not even gonna try. So like uh, Thigna. Th- oh, Figgy maybe. I yeah. I, I also Thigga. Yes, Figgy. Tiki, Tiggy. I could, I literally couldn't read my own handwriting, and I thought yeah. that the H was an N. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so it, it could be thigh. Could be thigh. <laughs> uh, um, and I was trying to, I was trying to place him, and because I recognized him, but again, that guy couldn't couldn't remember yeah. from where. Um, for those of you who watched Lost, which you still haven't seen, and it's still bonkers to me that I feel like of all people, I feel like you would appreciate. 
some elements of that show and you still refuse to watch it. Um, it's just it's so much sassy and there's so much <laughs> other television to watch. Yeah. It's the same it's the same like this. it's the same thing with like like battle yes, exactly. Like <laughs> I've gotta watch nineteen nineties horror comedy shows. Um it's the same thing with Battlestar where it's like your spouse I was constantly saying that Jimmy, this show was made for you. It's like, yeah, but Disney's putting out an MCU movie every other month, so that's yeah. gonna have to take precedent for a while. Uh but anyway, this guy, Kevin Thigh. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with yeah. Whatever. Kevin T. Kevin Kevin Thunder Thighs. <laughs> yes. Uh he plays John Locke's dad in Lost. Okay. So for anybody that watched that show and remembers that side character, that's uh that's this guy. He he also had a minor role in forty four hundred, a TV show I did watch. Lost, no thank you. Forty four hundred, yes please. <laughs> Um, uh, so, so yeah, so anyway, yeah he, oh, oh, he's been oh, in a oh. bunch of TV series. Oh, yes, up? but but in the the most interesting part though of this episode is the music. Yes, oh my god, I'm so glad you remember this because <laughs> I had forgotten. It's yes. fucking bananas. Who does the music for this episode? So, if if any of you remember that that little known film from the '90s called Titanic. Uh, the composer of this episode is none other than James Horner, who wrote the soundtrack to Titanic and won an Academy Award for that work. Literally one of the most iconic, like, does the music for Titanic, yes, did the music I for mean, Avatar. Like, he's just one yeah. of the most iconic film scores around. Star um, Trek Three, shout out. Yeah. Um, the Rocketeer. He's the conductor, yes. apparently, for that one. But yeah, like beautiful just... mind. He like you know definitely has that like Academy Award sort yes. of uh, sound. Yeah, you know he he is a person who makes very glossy, very classy scores, and he's making fucking garbage mu- music for this episode of Tales from the Crypt, and it's bananas that yeah. James Horner like I... abused a synth so hard. this episode of this i really don't know what happened there i feel it's gotta be an issue of like hey you want to have some fun literally do whatever you want with this episode and he just like created the craziest just like sin right i don't even know what to call it no it's it's truly um but also it starts off really strong in the beginning with the synth, and then as the episode progresses, you almost don't really hear um, the the music anymore. So it's almost like, I don't know what happened. It almost feels like a waste of James Horner that they were like, yeah, you know, do the intro for this, and then we're, we're going to kind of forget about you. Yeah, I'm looking at like what he's making around, like, is he like an up-and-comer? But like, so he did the music for another 48 hours, which came out like the same year that this did. Um, Kevin, uh, Thunder Thighs is also in that. So like that, that's another connection. So like Walter Hill's just getting all the, the band back together and just yeah. kind of like, like having, having some goofy fun, uh, in, in a way of speaking. But yeah, so like, these are all these people that he knows that he's pulling in. But yeah, like, yeah, I'm looking at a picture right now. James Horner holding his two Oscars and just looking so thrilled. 
So I think that kind of brings us into the episode. Let's do it. So the the intro, we have the Crypt Keeper, and I'm pretty much just going to quote the intro almost in its entirety because it was kind of great. Uh, yeah. It really probably is the best part of the episode. So he says, You know, kitties, after a night of slithering through the sickening slime of my crawly crypt, I take a tip from the Marquis de Sade. He likes to unwind with a little red-hot poker. <laughs> uh, it's worth I mentioning, like, like, he's, he's delivering all this while wearing like one of those like poker dealer visors. Yes, he's like uh, he's because, literally playing poker. Yeah, because the crypt... Uh, Keeper has really gotten into prop comedy this season. I can only assume that as the Crypt Keeper, you know, when people are laid to rest, and sometimes they might be laid to rest with, like, their favorite whatever. Oh, he's sure. He's the Keeper. He's like, so he's oh, just hey, like, I'm just gonna borrow this. He's just robbing other, like, dead people's garbage. Absolutely. I mean, he probably has a treasure trove of just stuff there. For sure. So that's my head canon, and I'm sticking with it. I like it. I I I cosign. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, so we open to some extremely cheesy synth music, and I just I don't I don't know what else to say about it other than I have no idea what was going on here. Uh, <laughs> and then we uh, open to uh, our. I don't want to call him a hero, but our main character of this episode, his name is Reno Crevice. Yes. Seriously, it sounds like a James Bond villain name. It's like, I, I did not do the full research to see if this these names are from the original comic or not. But if they're not, uh, A plus for the names in this episode. Because Reno, he's a gambler who whose name is Reno. And then Crevice for some reason. Crevice because he gets into the cracks of society. Nah, I mean, I, sure. <laughs> I mean, that's a way better I, explanation than I have. No, I mean it's. It, I am just going to always be a sucker for like we're already telling this outsized crazy story. Let's just give these people bananas names and just go with it. <laughs> I know writers who use subtext, and they're cowards. Exactly, a hundred percent. And so, so yeah, he comes into this casino and he's wearing like this all black attire, uh, like black uh, slacks, a black sort of a uh, cowboy shirt, black mm-hmm. hat. And if anybody here has seen uh, Westworld, he is really giving off some uh, man in black vibes here. Okay, he's essentially got that aesthetic down. Um. And so he comes in, and then this waitress comes up to him, and she's like, hey, what's up? Um, And it's kind of, they maybe know each other. Uh, So she says, like, hey, like, where have you been? And then he says, oh, I just spent the last year in Vegas. Uh, And they kind of catch up. And then he says, like, hey, um, I'm here for the No Limit table. Do you guys still have it? And she's like, yeah, but people don't really play anymore. Just this guy, Sam Forney. That is literally his name. Sam <laughs> Forney with an yep. F. Not yep. not with an H, with an F. And I'm yep. going to be saying this name a lot. And it's going to sound like I'm saying horny, but it's Forney. Uh, 
yeah <laughs> it's it's yeah don't get it twisted nothing horny going on here oh well, kind of horny this episode's kind of uh, the the next episode is very yes. horny, and we'll talk yes, about the, that yeah in the next we'll talk about that next week kitties yeah yes. but but just to this preview just, yeah this this uh this episode's horny for the thrill yes not so much for the typical traditional horny just to give you a little preview of the remix so yeah. yeah, and but she says like, no, you have to watch out for this guy. Like, would not recommend. But he's like, no, that's right. what I came here for. Whatever. And for some reason, she gives him a free drink ticket. And then <laughs> casinos. Yeah, that's true. Uh yeah. Yeah. Um. So he goes to the bar to redeem his uh drink ticket, and once again, kind of proceeds to have the exact same conversation with the bartender. Like, yeah. where have you been? I was in Vegas. I want to play at the low, no limit table. Okay, yeah, it's over there. But watch out for the Sam Forney guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's Literally. weird that he has this, this conversation. Like, And this episode, like, we'll, we'll mention it here. This episode is not, I think this is by far the shortest episode of Tales that we've yes, had. Yes, so this far. episode was 20 minutes long. And we literally just spend the last, like, three minutes with the character having the exact same conversation with two different characters for absolutely no reason (laughs) as repetitive as it is i was glad to see did you recognize the bartender in this scene i did not it's roy brocksmith who you might know as the doctor from the switch and he is and we talked about and we talked about this during this episode he is also the racist bartender from the man who is dead (laughs) Wow, okay. So literally Walter Hill calling up his buddy Roy and being like, can you be a bartender? And then a year later being like, can you also be another bartender but less racist this time? <laughs> yeah, good. Good for him. Get your yeah, this friends is... some work. And so he's got a, a triple appearance on the show and then this is his last appearance. So. Ah, Grand Slam. Yeah, ser- series wrap for uh, Roy Brocksmith for <laughs> Tales for the Crypt. But excellent work in uh, The Switch and he definitely gives exposition that's already been given in this episode. Yeah. And so he um he goes over oh yeah, the bartender says like, Hey, I heard that there was a rumor about you that you won some money from a South American dictator in a game of poker. And then Reno corrects him and says, like, no, it wasn't in a game. It was in one hand. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. But I guess this this kinda ends up being um sort of foreshadowing for later. Sure. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> I guess not very subtle. Um no, but we'll get there. And yeah. so yeah, so it, they're very hardly not very hardly, very they're really leaning into like this guy's a badass. Right. And they're they're so, establishing this guy's bona fides before we like get into like what's what's yes. happening. They're like like everyone's like, oh, I've heard about you, and like you know, he's like, oh, you know, I I'm yeah, only here for no limit play. Yeah. He's got a reputation for sure, and yeah. so he goes to this no limit table and seems sees this Sam Forney guy that everybody has been warning him about. And what's really interesting is that they apparently know each other, which is really weird because. I feel like if two people are like, hey, you should watch out for this Sam Forney guy, I think I feel like I would be like, yeah, I know him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you might just it's a, somehow it's signal that trend. you're, yeah, like you, you might let them know, like, yes, I'm aware, but he yeah. just like, he just 
kind of takes it like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll keep it in mind. And it's like he knew this guy all along. So, yeah. okay. Um, and so he comes in and Forney's playing by himself because apparently he, like, scared everybody off. And so they're kind of immediately, like, on each other's throats. And Reno reminds him, like, hey, you know, you think you're tough shit, but, like, I won $10,000 off of you. Like, did you forget? And he's like, oh, was that before or after I drove away with your Cadillac? Oh, by the way, how's the wife? Did she run away with the pool boy or something? Um, yeah, oh, this, the piano player. Like, <laughs> this guy's clearly like the history of just, like, fucking each other over in different games over the over the years. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he says, like, was that before or after your wife ran off with the piano player? Which, like, just seems kind of like a weird sort of throwaway, like, exposition, exposition. Right. Um, and so Forney says that everybody is laughing at Reno, just about his wife, about the way he dresses. He's just About the fact his name is joke. Reno Crevice. Yes. <laughs> Apparently not because of the... Oh, yeah, his name. Um, yeah. And so Reno's like, okay, fine let's let's fight let's settle this like men with a game of poker i guess and he says like i have a hundred bucks and i want to play and then forney's like a hundred bucks like are you dumb like that's not gonna cut it here but you know what i'll play you to get out of town so they're like okay yeah let's play for the rights to stay so it's essentially kind of like a is that a career match in uh, in wrestling terms? Sure, yeah. No, it's simply like a career for career. Uh, yes, yes. That's uh, exactly type situation. It. Yeah. Yes. If you're so, talking about stipulations. Yes. So they have they have their careers hanging from from a ladder, and whoever gets to the to the top of the ladder first gets to keep their career, which in hey. this case means. I'm just going to interject here, Ceci. How yeah. excited are you going to be if there's ever an actual wrestling episode of the show? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've not dug in. I, it's one of those things where it's like, I would not, it's, it's both one of those things like, that'd be very cool and, and uh, unexpected, but I also like would not be shocked if there was in fact yeah. an episode where someone like literally is wrestling death or something. Anyway, go on. Um. So yeah. And so they try to play dice uh, for the rights to stay. And then Reno gets, um, he rolls the dice and immediately gets six. So he's like, ah, hell yeah, boxcars. And then Forney also rolls and he also gets the six. And they're like, ah, like, this is. And so Reno immediately is like, this is rigged and he gets mad. Right. That, that's Reno's. Whenever Reno is not winning, his, his immediate, like, response is to say, you cheated. Like, he, he's, yeah. he's constantly, he's, he's, it's never that you're playing a dumb dice game it's that you somehow cheated because they're literally saying we're just going to roll these two dice whoever rolls higher wins and they both happen to roll 12 and he's like you cheater so yeah um just a bad just sore loser essentially yep. uh and he's like okay forney says you know what i have a better oh no reno is like yeah these dice are dumb you know what let's do russian roulette instead which is because... a huge escalation. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, like, that escalated uh. quickly. So, yeah, they go outside uh, to play Russian roulette, because Forney, it, it turns out, has a gun 
in his car. So they go outside and use that. And Reno says, like, okay, well, it's your gun, but I'm going to spin the chamber. And so they do that. And then he, uh, Forney kind of makes a big deal that, like, he wants to go first because it's his gun uh, or some such. So he goes, he goes first. He lives. Then Reno goes. He lives. And, like, through, through this whole thing, they're kind of obviously, you know, taking their time pulling the trigger, which is understandable. Right. Um, but this scene takes forever, and it's this is the, kind of this not is, interesting at all. This is the bulk of the episode, and yeah, like the yeah. the the driving force of it has to, like it, this is one of those episodes where because it's basically a two hander. Like at this point on, it's basically Reno and Sam like just cursing at each other the entire time. And if yeah. you're not buying into these performances, this episode just falls flat as a pancake yes they're just really they're egging each other on and just kind of fighting over the smallest things and like like we uh talked about earlier it's kind of established that they know each other but the way that this is laid out it's just it doesn't really give you a good sense of their story and why them egging each other on is so important like it's just not presented in a way that makes you feel for the characters at all yeah i I agree with all that i think that it's it's weird because like i like i kind of like what lance hingrickson is doing here but they just have no chemistry with each other yeah which is kind of necessary for this like episode to work honestly they might as well have shot this in entirely different like times yeah, like yeah, like if this is like a like literally a western or something, it would have been that would have been at least something to kind of grip into. Um, oh no, I mean like they like they have so little. Oh screen, oh oh, they could they could have they could have like been on different green screens. Yeah, they could have literally like, shot it like not in the like, same room and like just cut it together, and it would have been the exact same. Like like that one uh, season of Arrested Development where none of the cast members could get on the same call sheet. Yes, essentially that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think it's a yeah. It's it yeah. It's a very strange um, misfire. Cause I think like individually, I think the performances are. I think Lance Henriksen is doing some stuff I I enjoy just for its cheesiness, and and Kevin Thunder Thighs is fine, but like together it's just like boy they're like just being real mad they're just mad eyeing each other a bunch um yeah for like no reason other than like oh this guy i guess won one day and then i won and now he hates me and then well yeah i mean that, i hate that, it's just that like that that's the whole thing the whole uh their whole relationship is based on we constantly we, tra- we trade wins basically like we we like you win one then i win one and we never no one can ever like knock the other person out completely uh, yeah and so uh they're just egging each other on and honestly i just kind of wrote in my notes like this is the lamest display of toxic masculinity i've ever seen because that's essentially what what's happening here like neither of them want to admit defeat in any way and they just keep on sort of negging each other right you um, know who i bet has a real boner for this episode of tales from the crypt no would be quentin tarantino i think would really enjoy yeah, this, this whole dynamic of just like these two guys just being shitty to each other nonstop. 
yeah it yeah I just kind of felt like it wasn't it wasn't enjoyable it was just kind of like okay get it over with I yeah. get it you shoot he shoots like Especially, let's get on with it yeah yeah so th- so they go back and forth and they, like each time like obviously it gets more and more intense yeah and, and then at some point a, a car drives in because they're in the parking lot because they have to yes. go to uh Forney's car to get the gun and this all takes place in a parking lot which like again wow riveting tv uh and then this car just like pulls in and i guess confuses them for valets right and so they just and, pull a gun on them and then they drive off and that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels so weird that this kind of happens halfway through the episode and it kind of happens uh, right before they're about to hit, I guess, the last round uh, right. of bullets in uh, in the, their game of Russian roulette. And you almost think like, oh, is this going to escalate? Are they going to like end up killing one of the people that drives in? But like, as you say, it absolutely goes nowhere, and it does absolutely nothing to the plot. It literally it feels. It feels like like Hill and May Woods were just like writing along, and then at some point they're like, "Something else has to happen in this episode." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, they just introduce the other characters, and like, there's a slight tension: are they going to shoot these people? But then they don't. Like, not like nothing comes uh, yeah. of it. It just blows over, and then that's it. But yeah. I also thought it was really interesting how like offended they are that they think they're valets. Right. Yeah. Because they, so, they, like, these guys are just like all pride. If anything, maybe it just was meant to show just <laughs> what assholes these guys are. <laughs> they're like, what? You think I'm a valet? Like, right. Uh, yeah. And so after that, the car leaves and then uh, Forney goes and he lives and so there's only one uh, bullet left in the chamber. And so Sam is like, oh, shit. Well, I guess it's me. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go through with it. Um, oh, no, sorry. I uh, skipped ahead a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I have it backwards. Uh, so, yeah, Forney goes. He lives. Uh, and then Reno goes and it's the last bullet. And at that point, he's like, okay, well, I guess... I guess I'm going to die, but I want you to, you know, tell people that I didn't run away from this, that I took right, this like a man, essentially. Because Sam basically says, oh, the rough, rough bit, I guess you got to leave town. And Rayo's like, no, I'm going to shoot myself because that, like, that's the game. Like, if I'm not willing to pull the trigger, I'm, like, you tell people that I was willing to pull the trigger here. Because if not, my legacy is that I'm the coward who walked away. Yeah. When, like, he had no chance. And so he pulls the trigger and he lives. Nothing happens. And he gets super mad. He's like, oh, my God, was this a dud? Did you? No wonder you wanted to go first. Like, you haven't been taking this seriously. Uh, And gets super mad at Forney, even though, like, hey, I'd be grateful that I didn't die. And technically, like, you, this is like, this is literally your out. You you know, you went through with it and now you can walk away. But he's like, okay, no, we're going to play poker now. We're going to settle this once and for all with poker. Uh, and they decide to play chop poker instead. Because I guess, you know, Reno had previously established he only had like a 100 bucks in his pocket. So right. I guess chop poker was the better <laughs> solution. Well, right, because he, does, he, does, he doesn't have the bankroll to like go head to head with. Forney, so that instead of like 
asking for and to not put in more money. They're like, hey, we both have a, a limited resource of fingers. Let's put those up uh, for as our collateral for this this game. Yeah, and so they decide to play this chop poker, and immediately Forney uh, Forney loses two fingers. Uh, and I don't I don't want to move too fast because I have to point out the sound. So there's a dealer who's playing like he's dealing the cards to them because poker, um, and the way that this dealer shovels the cards. Sounds honest to God, just like the cards are farting. Like it's the worst. I fallen. did not notice that at all. Uh, I'll have to. I'll clip it out and put it here. But yeah, like it's. It's just like he's like. <laughs> like the entire time, he's. I'm sure that that looks great on my. Uh, I think by this sound. point, I was just like uh, so done with this episode that I was just like you're just waiting for it to be over. I was yeah. just like whatever. Like okay, yeah. you're gonna. Do this thing. I okay, fine. I can see where it's going. Yeah, like just, just get yeah, it talk, over with. Yeah, th- this is definitely an episode that like, te- like telegraphs sort of what its final destination is pretty early. Yeah. Um, but like, it, but then somehow for being so short, it also takes its time getting there. Weirdly, yes. It may- <laughs> for a twenty-minute episode, the fact that they have. A ton of exposition that doesn't really go anywhere. And then this, like, ten-minute scene of them in the parking lot just egging each other on and playing Russian roulette. Right. That I think doesn't there's a really way you pay could, off. You could do this. There's a fun way you could do this episode if they're just playing, like, ten more games. Like, the fact that they play three, yeah. four games, spoiler, four games in the entire episode makes it drag but i think you're like they, they like went through like yes the pacing they... i think is what's kind of wrong because um as as we just mentioned like the meat of the episode is the Rus- russian roulette part and that part right. was just so boring right and it, yeah and it just it, it just keeps going and go like yeah they, they have to pull the trigger six times and it doesn't like the tension doesn't work yeah and they really escalate that very quickly like you go from dice to russian roulette and I hate I hate to give a shout out to Money Plane, but <laughs> I just watched that recently, and they actually do a much better job. Wow! Of escalating, because as you start watching the movie Money Plane, they get on the money plane, and right. the first thing they do is uh, play Texas Hold'em, I think, and they do a round of that. And you're sitting there watching the movie going like, well, why do they have to get on this money plane to play Texas Hold'em? Like, that makes no sense. But then it turns out, oh, shit, they're just pacing it. So they they go from that to, like, some other games, and then they do the Russian roulette. And then they do, let's see uh, how long it takes for this person to die after being bitten by a snake. And, like, other sort of gruesome bets but see right. they work their way up to that right so officially you're saying <laughs> officially money, i am endorsing money playing playing and Watch giving it. a big thumbs it's down not... they're cutting cards <laughs> yes literally cutting cards worse than money playing so... yeah that, that, that that's the bottom line here not to give a spoiler yes. for our, our uh rating on this one but you're you, you are all in on money playing to use a uh gambling metaphor Yes, all in on money playing because hey, you know what? Cutting cards has no is 
or sorry, it's not starring any WWE Hall of Famers. This is true. Hmm. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think this this definitely opens up an avenue for our casting the crypt, but we'll get there when we get there. Yes. Um, and so, so yeah, I really am saying that, like, if Money Plane <laughs> has a better, more compelling version of what you're trying to do, you really mess up. Right. Um, <laughs> that's not to say uh, the people that made Money Plane, I'm sure you did a great job. You did the best with what you had. Like, it was God a bless fun you. movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely not, you know, but it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. So they start playing chop poker and immediately Forney loses two fingers and they just keep on playing. And Reno is like super happy because again, he's only happy when Forney is down. So he, he's also kind of thinking like, I'm finally beating you at your own game. Um, and then he loses and it's like back again to this thing of like, oh, I lost this because you cheated type of thing. Um, right. <laughs> and, and he's such a sore loser that he's like, okay. Oh, so before he loses, he is making fun of Sam and saying like, oh, I'm going to keep your fingers and I'm going to put them in, uh, jar i think he says yeah yeah he's put them in a jar them. yeah he's he wants to like preserve them and so he's mm-hmm. like making fun of him for that and then as soon as he loses he's like oh you know how i said that i was gonna like keep your fingers like you can totally have one um you can have one back and i'm gonna call a doctor and we can reattach your finger if you let me keep mine right. um and of course uh forney is like no no uh, way. i am yeah. not stupid uh you're not gonna get one over on me and uh chops one of his fingers and so uh the next thing we see is them in a hospital uh, I guess playing checkers and they don't have any limbs whatsoever. Um, uh, no legs, no arms. I guess they were moving the checkers with like their nose. Yeah. They're like putting their nose down and moving them around and still like <laughs> talking shit to each other the whole time. Yes. And here is a, here's a, a, a weird thing that I actually watched this a couple of times to try to make sure that I understood what happened correctly. And then it turns out that I didn't. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm just going to explain to you what I saw and what I heard. Sure. So at the very end, uh, I think um, they're, they're playing checkers. And once again, I think Reno is accusing Forney of uh, cheating and they get right up into each other's faces and then I heard one of them say, pass the gum. Pass the gum. And because they were so close to each other, I thought that what what they were trying to say is like, pass the gums. And since they don't have any limbs, that they were going to pass the gum, like, mouth to mouth. Oh, gross. And that's, you know, like <laughs> and that's where they this. cut. Yeah, and that's where they cut. And I was like, uh, like... I was just like, that's such a weird way to end things. And like, 
I was kind of like mad about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, they have to have like homophobic jokes of like them like passing sure. the gum by kissing or whatever. I was, I just I'll... thought it was so weird. Yeah. And then when I was like reading up on the episode, I realized that he didn't say pass the gum. He said pass the gun. Pass the gum. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean... I'm like, oh, okay. That makes more sense than what I was thinking. And yet, if it had been past the gum, it actually makes it more interesting because then you can start to read their animosity as love for each other that they're right. just hiding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, that there, there's this weird sort of like, uh, buried, like, yeah, homoerotic, like tension between them that, uh, spills over once they've completely destroyed each other's bodies. Uh, that certainly is one reading of this episode. Maybe, <laughs> maybe more interesting than what's on the page. Yes, maybe, maybe if they ever remake this episode, which I hope they don't because it was terrible, uh, yeah. maybe they can make it more interesting, uh, in that, in that way by making them, uh, lovers instead of ma making it an enemies to lovers story. Sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I've got nothing to say about this episode. It's short. It's <laughs> super simple. Like I, I am actually impressed. We're coming up on about uh, forty-two minutes of talking about this episode. Oh, gosh. and I'm genuinely impressed. We were able to do that. Um, yeah, I guess we talked about money so, for a second there. I mean, I'm sorry, but no, it's fine. I had watched it. It. I watched it recently, and I realized that it did a better job of than this episode. So I just had to give it a shout out. Sassy never apologized for talking about money playing. <laughs> and uh and so uh we go back to the crypt keeper who says, uh, I've heard of giving the finger, but this was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh he says, at the risk of going out on a limb, I've got to hand it to Crevice and Forney. They'd do anything to elbow their way to the top. Ha ha ha. And uh, he's a... cooking fingers on a yeah. like on, yeah on he's a doing pan. all this while he's literally like has <laughs> fingers on a pan which is great yeah so but I I really have to hand it to the writers for literally including so many limb jokes at the end like literally it's, it's like a density of puns that definitely like elevates the outro of here plus yeah the, uh, they macabre visual. <laughs> They really went all out there, so good for them. Yep. Ta-da! Uh, that's it. Yeah. That's the episode. And hey, so Sassy. yeah, let's. Uh, yes. Do you did you like this episode of Tales from the Crypt? <laughs> did you this as a a keeper or a stinker? I thought it was a complete stinker. Mm, shocking. Uh, Yes, shocking. I thought it was so... <sighs> I don't want to say so bad. I, I hate saying that things are bad when so many people worked on something. Sure. Uh, but I think I was so uh, unenthusiastic about it that I thought, you know what? To make this episode interesting for you, the listener, I needed to give a bit of a 
wishbone fact. Oh, great. Just no, to I, just. I, I love because... our podcast within a podcast of, <laughs> of wish facts. Of wishbone. Yes. So it, it really got me thinking about like the last two episodes that we had were so great. Uh, and then in the, in the first episode, dead, um, dead, right. We were talking about wishbone. Uh, and so it made me want to know more about Wishbone. And I actually have a fact that's going to tie into this season of Tales from the Crypt. Great. And so, and so your Wishbone fact for this episode is that, um, as you may remember, if you listen to the episode Debt Right, uh, where I initially talk about how one of the dogs in that episode looks like Wishbone, and I talk about how the, the, thespian dog who plays wishbone his name is soccer uh he actually had uh three other dogs that were used for stunts so it wasn't all soccer <laughs> well, he had stunt dogs <laughs> yes, how much stunts was there on wishbone i mean a lot he has to <laughs> jump over things he has to run i guess i just don't remember wishbone <laughs> being an especially action-packed show <laughs> it was probably more to do with I don't know laws keeping sure. you know I don't know I yeah. assume it's probably similar to like children and how they're only allowed to work like there, there's only so many hours, hours that soccer could actually get in in a day maybe Who yeah knows? that's what I'm assuming but anyway yeah uh, soccer had three uh, different terriers for stunts Phoebe, Slugger, and Shiner and there was another stunt double used. Uh, his name was Bear, but he was only used for publicity stills. So that probably means that whatever photo you have seen of Wishbone is probably not soccer, but Bear. So we have all been lied to. Yeah. So like that, that <laughs> look around your bedroom, dear listener, um, and that, that Wishbone poster you have up in your wall, um, tear it down because it's nothing but a lie. It's a wishbone conspiracy, and we're here to tell you about it. Yeah, um, I'm putting up my, my cork board right now. <laughs> how this ties back to Tales from the Crypt uh-huh. is because uh, the owner of soccer, his name's Jackie Kaplan, uh, and he was a seasoned dog trainer who also coached uh, the dogs that Chase won Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies. Okay. That brings it. That brings it back to episode two of Tales from the Crypt, or episode two, season two of Tales from the Crypt, right? uh, Which we just finished, which was which was directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there's your how Wishbone actually comes right back into Tales. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for that detour. Uh, This is a stinker (laughs) of an episode. yeah, no, all the things we've already said up to this point, like it's, it's, there's, there's, it's somehow not enough and too much. Um, it, the things that are there are over explored and it would be better. It'd be better if they just like ran through several different games that they did rather than just like sticking to these three. Like if they were constantly escalating and they, and it's not like they ran out of time. Like that's, that's the part that's most mind boggling for me. It'd be one thing. It's like, oh, We've done these other things, but we just didn't have the time. It's like, no, you cut this episode real short. Like, if you take out the Crypt Speaker bumpers, like, this episode's maybe 18 minutes long, which yeah. is ridiculous. 
And I almost so, wonder if it was an issue of like they literally ran out of time writing the episode. Potentially, <laughs> they just I needed have, to turn something in, and they're I like, "Here know. you go." But no, you're absolutely like it. It's a, it's an episode that I think has promise, has a lot of talented people working on it, but just at, at the end of the day, falls flat for me. Um, and like a lot of people, like. I think we're kind of putting our necks out here, Susie, because a lot of people like this episode, and I don't get interesting why. I think people will just like Lance Henriksen, and they want to root yeah. for him. Like, and I think that Makes he sense. again, I think he does fine in this episode. And but I think it's just, I think people just like contain stories. Um, but yeah, I I am in a hundred percent agreement with you. I think this thing, I I was more of a defender of the man who was death than you, but I think this thing, um, and it's also another one where I. Not unlike the man who was death. Like, I don't know what you're getting at here, Walter, with this one. Yeah. It's like, it's, you can see it from a mile away. It was very right. predictable. And yeah, super yeah. short. It chooses to spend time in weird places where you don't really feel like you need to spend time in. Yeah. Uh, there were the issues with the exposition. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking here, to be honest. Um, yeah. But... Um, you mentioned it earlier that you kind of wish that they had worked on the escalation a little bit better so that it wasn't just like dice, boom, Russian roulette, that it was right. a little bit maybe more gradual of an escalation. And one thing that I did want to point out is that there's actually a movie that's not Money Plane. <laughs> that oh, sorry, we manages... about... well, I was about to say, I have a deja vu. We're talking about Money Plane again. Yes. No, there's another movie that actually manages, I think, to capture what they were trying to go for with this episode. Uh, and it's called Cheap Thrills. Yes, uh, no, that, out... that, that's a great point. Yeah. Yes, Cheap Thrills came out in 2013. Uh, I saw it at South by Southwest back then. Absolutely loved it. And it's essentially, I think... Uh, first of all, it's more of a modern retelling of this concept. And I think this movie gets at what this episode wants to do. Which yeah, is no, that's... Uh, this like series of escalating dares. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's a great recommendation for if this if this episode sounds like it's up your alley, definitely check out that movie because it, it it and it escalates in such a a interesting way. Um, and definitely like, and, and, and it is creepy and actually scary as opposed to this thing, which is just annoying. And yet it has a very satisfying ending. Yeah. A hundred percent. And one thing that, um, I went on a cheap thrills rabbit hole and, uh, here's actually something that I'm about to blow your mind with. I love uh, it. so, <laughs> so the, um, the premise for cheap thrills for anybody who's not familiar with the movie is this guy loses his job and he comes home to find an eviction notice uh, on his door. And so he's kind of down on his luck. And then at that point uh, he goes to a bar with a friend and they meet a couple. And then the couple starts offering them money in exchange for these dares. And that that's kind of where things escalate. The dares start very like fairly innocent and innocuous. And then they escalate uh, up to, I believe he cuts a finger at yeah. some point. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going to leave that sort of synopsis so I don't spoil anything. But the main character lives on Reno Street. 
Mm. And yeah. it may, it almost makes me think like it's a coincidence. It's gotta be a coincidence. But if it's not, I wonder if it actually is a callback to this episode because yeah. it's just too big of a coincidence. No, it's it's yeah. I would. I, I mean, you know, I I I I don't remember all the the creatives behind Cheap Thrills. I'm looking at now. It's a director I'm not familiar with. Um. I don't think it's outside their own possibilities because, like, they are very similar concepts, and so, but like, Reno is also if just anything, a place where, I, like, ga- I wonder is a, if is it's a gambling just... town. Yeah, that could also that could be it. I was just kind of thinking that it um, could it be that this director saw this episode and was kind of inspired by this later on in life. Yeah, entirely um, possible. It could be, yeah. So I just yeah. thought that was really interesting that, like, literally this movie that I thought did a better job uh, on this concept uh, had a bit of a call callback, if you want to call it that, uh, to the main character in this episode. So, yeah, there it cool. is. All right. So do you have a casting the crypt here? I mean, I I I didn't really have one. Um, but after your, your, it's funny, uh, this is going to sound like a joke, but I think that Kelsey Grammer as Forney would be a really interesting casting. <laughs> yeah. And I could see Adam Copeland as a Reno and I could see that, that, that as, a, as a, as a, as an interesting way to, to, cause I feel, I feel like one of the disastrous things about this is the. In much the same way that um, the main character and the man who has death has this like thick Southern accent, so do both the lead characters in this, and they're like definitely playing outside of like what their normal voice tenor is. Like it, it, they're just mm-hmm. doing these big, broad. It's like never really defined where they are, and so it's just this very strange tone. And I think if you get out of the tone of that, and you 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 kind of ground it more in like. I don't like East Coast something. I don't like get out of that area. I think that helps it a ton. Um, and I, I, I think those two guys could do something fun with uh, yeah this material. I actually thought they had a really good scene together in Money Plane. Some good chemistry, but then also like, for all I know, like. That was literally the only the only scene they had together was like when they had Kelsey Grammer for like five minutes. Right. Yeah. He showed up for his paycheck and they're like, hey, could you actually shoot the movie while you're here? He's like, sure. And he is such a great actor that like, could it just be that like he really elevated everybody else? Like, maybe that's what it is. I personally think that Adam Copeland is a fine actor. Like, he's he's fine. Sure. You know, Yeah. like. Let me say this: if there if there were a reboot of Tales from the Crypt, uh, Adam Copeland would fit right in to the kind of actor that you're looking for for a show like this. Yeah, uh, I, I could totally. see myself going to Adam Copeland as a go-to casting the Crypt choice if I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> Yay! You know he's my boy. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. Um. My choice for casting the Crypt. Uh, was actually uh, for Forney. I was thinking uh, Michael McKean. Uh, I was really seeing him in this role, uh, who is better known as uh, Chuck uh, from Better Call Saul. 
Um, okay. A, yeah, uh, yes. that, took, that took me a second. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's great. He's uh, he's also in uh, Best in Show. He's uh, mm-hmm. the other half of the couple with the Shih Tzus. Yeah, he's done. He's done a couple. Um, Christopher Guest. He's also in Spinal Tap. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Uh, and then for Reno, since I already mentioned that I felt uh, the character was giving me some major uh, Man in Black vibes uh, from Westworld, I was like, just get Ed Harris to play this because like he already sure. has the outfit. <laughs> he kind of absolutely has that aesthetic down. So. Yeah, uh, he he, de- he he definitely has the um the worn downness that you need like for that character to work. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, I love Ed Harris. And yeah, oh. I think that's uh that's, that's my it. casting the crypt. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Um, you can check us out at cryptspeakers.com. Um, you can toss us, uh, you know, socials at, um, at Crip Speakers on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Jay the Cake Thief. And you can check me out online at sessy.dev. Yeah. Sessy's smart and stays off Twitter, which I appreciate. Um, I, um, also want to shout out, uh, Molly Fancher for our intro and outro music, as always. Mr. N, you can check them out on Bandcamp. And also, I keep forgetting to say this. Please email us. You can email us at, at uh, cryptspeakers at gmail.com. Yep, we got a Gmail because we're fancy. Um, so you can catch us at cryptspeakers at Wait, gmail.com. Wait, is Gmail, everybody has a Gmail nowadays. Is Gmail just like back in the day when you would say at yahoo.com? Yeah, oh, 100%. No, yeah, like <laughs> it's, uh, I was being a little bit of a lark there. <laughs> gmail, Sassy. the new Yahoo. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, you're. <laughs> I have both a Gmail and a Yahoo. Wow. Not for not for Crip Speakers. If you want to get Crip Speakers, <laughs> the only email you have to go to is CripSpeakers at gmail.com. I'm sure I could get Yahoo if I wanted to, but I don't have the time. <laughs> um, all that to say, thank you so much for listening. If you could spread the word, give us stars wherever you can give us stars. I don't know if it's anywhere except for Apple Podcasts, but if you want to spread the word about this show do it if you don't want to spread the word about it do it anyway for me please um but uh with all that said thank you so much for listening and see you next time kiddies money plane